0: All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. The Bible says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire. That's the important word, okay? Desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful, in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Amen. And in this passage there are so many things that Paul has a desire and his desire encompasses everything here where it covers about prayer, purity, productiveness, perceptiveness, and so many more. So we're going to look at all these things about the desire to have. And I would like to ask you if you have this desire. If you want a Bible-believing ministry where God will mightily use with so much fruit, we need to increase in these aspects. And I notice that our church, it does follow some of these aspects, but I'm sure that we can do even better. So we need to do more of this, more of this. So I hope that the preaching will motivate you and encourage you and make you have a great passion and desire to have for this church and ministry. The title of my message today is Divine Desire. Let's pray. Father God, we need something divine. We need something holy. We need something powerful. And you need to anoint me. You need to fill me. And I pray that the preaching will convict and change people's hearts. Uh, we are so much in a world of complacency and laziness and do-nothings. do, do nothings. Yeah. And Heavenly Father, we need that motivation, that fire uh, burning within our hearts from the Word of God. We need you, Heavenly Father, to fill within us the power of your Holy Spirit. May everything be of spirit and not of flesh. Drive those things away. Yes, you get the glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> All right, verse 9, please. Verse 9. Notice that the first part, it reads... For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. That's important is that the first start of this divine desire is prayer. And my first point is more prayer, more prayer. Imagine if we had more prayer in this church, what would happen? What can happen? The possibilities are endless and the goals and the fruits are just endless. First John chapter 5, verse 15 says, And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. See, that's the thing, is that the reason why we petition, we give our prayer to him, is because we have a particular desire. We really want it that bad. And that's where I'm hitting toward is, do you really, do you really want it that bad? Do you really have the desire? That's the whole point of this message. Isn't it common sense that if you want something really, really bad, you really, really want it that badly from your loved one, then what you are going to do? You're going to keep asking. You're not going to quit. You're going to keep asking. Not only that, you're going to find which words to use that can persuade the person you love to get what you want. You start to carefully choose your words. Not only that, you would probably think of whatever it takes, whatever it takes to persuade that person, whatever it takes to persuade that person to give you what you want. And no matter how long it takes, you're going to keep thinking about it. You're going to keep doing it. And that's the point is that, isn't that the same thing with prayer? Is that if we keep praying to the Father and not quit asking about it, And we were to choose our words more carefully in a way that we know would make God answer prayer. And if we were to think about something that, look, maybe I can see that this is not what God wants. So what can I do to persuade him to see that it is something that he would want, that he would do? Can I claim a promise from the word of God where he's going to have to fulfill it? Can I understand His will so much more better that I know how to pray more exactly according to His will to get my desire come to pass? See, the point is keep praying and God will keep providing. But keep putting it off and God will keep putting it off. We must have more prayer in the church so that we can have a divine... Des- Do you really have a divine... Do you really have a divine desire to, for God to bless your church if you really want God to bless us with more people, really want more souls to get saved, more people to get involved in the ministry and sin conquered and God to mightily use this ministry, then you need to keep praying. Amen. If you really have such a strong divine desire for a powerful ministry, then you must pray more for the salvation of lost souls, people to attend church, that laborers will grow ministries will spread out further and that revival will take place within each and every member you pray for each and every one of their names and you pray for revival to spread in their hearts and that you pray for revival to shake up your local area in this hell whole place that this local area bay area we we're going through god needs to send a revival within the parts of the community. And we need for God to shake up the whole world on its knees to the Word of God, on its very knees. I'm not saying that there is worldwide revival, but we can have revival within an individual. And we can have a revival within the church and at least some parts of the community around the whole world. I mean, Isn't that how the Lord blessed us with our online ministry, for example? I mean, we're not changing the whole world, but we're reaching the whole world because there are some people getting changed and revival. So we need prayer. Fall on your knees. Fast and pray. Pray for the Lord to start blessing our church. If you have more times in your hands, you should pray double. You should pray triple than the amount of other people in the church we have more prayer and keep begging God, do you really want it that bad? See, that's the question. Do you really want it that bad that God would make this church the greatest of all churches? Then you need to pray more. My second point is more purity. More purity. Look at the first part of verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. See, the point is, is that we have to be pure in our walk. Pure in our lives. And what a church needs is more purity. Turn to Acts chapter 19 please. Acts chapter 19. Man you talk about revival right here. I've never been to a meeting like this one. At Acts chapter 19. Look at Acts 19 verse 17 through 20. Man. I'm sick and tired of. Hearing about the great old days of the great awakening revivals, where people repented of their sin, got right with God, clean up their act, and trash everything and change their lives, I'm sick and tired of hearing those things. That as if they were in the past and cannot happen today. I'm sick and tired of having a defeatist attitude, talking about the past, the past, the past. Why not now? Why not now? There are people repenting of their iniquity, changing their lives, breaking their pride, breaking their selfishness, breaking their fleshly sins, breaking that long, stronghold of dark addiction, and some homosexual saying, "I changed my life for the Lord Jesus Christ." Some drunkards saying, "I quit drinking," and some smoker says, "I hate smoking," and then some sinners saying, "I want to get saved in the Lord Jesus Christ." Why not now? Look at Acts chapter 19 and verse 17. The Bible says, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Man, great revival, power, power. Why? Because of verse 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, many of them also which used curious arts, Brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Notice that revival spread through this city mightily, where people sacrificed literally 50,000 pieces of silver's worth. And they didn't care. They didn't care. They just burned it all, let it go to waste. And they don't care about, you know, how much money they spent on that. Hey, this is, if uh, contemporary music is a sin, I'd burn the drum set. Hey, if the jazz music, the rock music albums are rare, I don't care. I'd burn that. Man, this drug was hard to get by, but I don't care. Burn that. Yeah. This television robbed me of my life. Social Whoa. network, etc., and all that. Get rid of that. Yeah. Bless God. Hallelujah. I mean, we got to get these bad habits and bad sins completely repented and burned publicly. The thing is, is that we get the reason why we're living in a day and age people cannot forsake their sins and even publicly get rid of them is because you don't want God to bless you with the big harvest. You don't want God's blessing on your life, period. No, I do, Pastor. I want God's blessing. No, you don't. Because if you really, really, really wanted it that bad for God to bless you, you really want it that bad, you get rid of those worldly desires. You get rid of those sinful desires. Because if you really want God's blessing that much. But no, you don't want it that much. So you're willing to sacrifice God's blessing to keep your old fleshly desires. And see, because the point is, do you have a desire? If you don't have the desire, God cannot bless you with big harvests. God cannot bless you with more things in your life. Amen, preacher. If you really have such a strong divine desire for a powerful ministry, for God to move within your home, God to move within your life, God to move within people around you, your neighborhood, your church, and etc., you must be pure in forsaking your sins. Forsake your drugs. Forsake your bad company. Forsake the wrong music. Forsake the pornography. Forsake the strife in home and church. Forsake the wrong words. Forsake the sinful thoughts. Forsake the worldly dressing. Forsake the laziness. Forsake the time that you wasted on rather than on the things of God. Forsake the unclean movies. Forsake the games and other sinful things that have robbed you of your time, wasted your time. Hey, if you want God's blessing on your life, get rid of it. Yeah, tear it down. You need to tear it down. You need to have a strong. Do you really want it that bad? You want God to bless you with power? You want God to bless your life? Get rid of it. No, No, you don't want it that bad. No, you want to be a loser. No, you want to keep living a defeatist life in depression, misery, and in the whims of your flesh. You don't have a divine desire. Do you want it that bad? Do you want God in your life? God's power! Where is it? The next part of verse 10. My third point is more productiveness. More productiveness. The next part of verse 10. Oh, I'm in Acts 19. Excuse me. I was wondering why that didn't match. Okay. So going back to Colossians chapter 1. And then at verse 10. Okay. It says, being fruitful in every good work. Did you notice that? Being fruitful in every good work. The next part of verse 10. Okay. And that's the thing. We need more productiveness. We, just not, we don't need just only more prayer and more purity. We need more productiveness. Luke chapter 13 verse 7 says, Then said he unto the dresser, of the vineyard, of his vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? Wow, isn't that scary? Notice that this person's fig tree did not bear, produce fruit for the Lord, and God said to cut it down. But how long? Notice it's been three years, he said. He puts that number there for a reason. Pastor, why don't I see God's power in my life? God's power in my church. Simple. Because God already cut you down. Uh, God already cut you down and you're just a tree not bringing forth fruit. Especially if you've been saved three years or more. I mean, you got to look at yourself. Are you producing fruit for the Lord? Are you producing fruit for the Lord? If you really have such a strong divine desire for a powerful ministry... You've got to produce fruits. Why? Maybe the reason why the Lord's still using you is because you're still reading your Bible somewhere. You're still singing a hymn. You're still trying to pass out tracts. You're still trying to bring some Christian influence in your life or upon other people around you. I don't know what it is. But that's the reason why perhaps God is still using you. Amen. But man, my friend, it's going to be a scary time when, especially in three years, if you've been saved longer than three years, and then God will cut down your life, and that's why you don't see His blessing, you don't see His power, you don't see His work in your life. You need to produce fruit. You must produce fruit. When's the last time that you read through, through your Bible? When's the last time you opened that book and read the precious Word of God? You're a tree that's dying and crying out. Withering away. Hey, get out your Bible and read it. For crying out loud, just read that book. Open that blessed book. You must produce fruits by reading the Bible consistently. You've got to pass out tracts. Have some guts to take a couple, a handful of tracts and give it throughout somebody you come across. Leave it behind after you're eating at a restaurant. Give it to a grocer after you Amen. complete your shopping. If you're extremely shy, then leave it at the bathroom that you use from some Amen. kind of public store or something like that. I don't know. Leave it around the doors of your neighborhood. Just pass out a track produced from fruit. Amen. I mean, this whole community is dying and going to hell. And there's not a single apple growing in any place in Silicon Valley. Unless you're that person who left that track. Amen. Are you the person leaving the track? You need to have a strong, divine desire. Do you really want it that bad? You don't really want it that bad. You want the monthly bulletin results to drop down more on soul save. Drop down on tracks being passed out. Drop down on the Bible being read through. Drop down on the hours of prayer. You don't desire. You really don't have a desire for God to bless you with power. God to fill you. God to change your life. To see a mighty movement. You don't. You need to pass out the tracks. You need to win the souls to salvation. There is no excuse during the coronavirus restrictions. I understand that and I get that. And it's been a while since i won souls too. But you know what? When God gives me an opportunity, I try whatever I can to leave out a track. I try whatever I can to talk to a soul and lead the soul to salvation. I try whatever I can through online right now trying to spread the gospel. I'm doing what I can. You do what you can too. Bringing many to church. You need to bring people to church. You need to make sure that, the I mean, don't you want the church to grow with, thousands of people who just have a Bible-believing mentality, oh, impossible to have. That's your problem because you don't even try. You You don't want that to happen. You don't have a divine desire. You don't really want thousands of people in the Bay Area loving Jesus Christ, being Bible believers, kicking liberalism, kicking down water, down Christianity. You don't want that in your life. And that's the reason why the Lord can't bless it. Thank God that there are some people who actually have that kind of desire. So that God can see at least more than 10 souls in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah who have a desire, a desire for Bible believing truth, who have a desire and they can have a blowout revival meeting. Awesome preaching. Amen. We need to bring more people to church. We need to attend every single service that is offered. Any service that is offered so that you can be motivated. Other people can be motivated. We need to give the money. We need to give the tithe so that the Lord can expand the ministry. We need to volunteer for any kind of opportunity that the church offers. Nursery work, prison ministry, juvenile detention ministry, radio ministry, internet ministry, tech ministry. Volunteer for anything, even just mopping the floor for crying out loud. We need to volunteer for more things in the ministry. And not only that, if you want the church to be more productive, more productive, and more and more and more producing more fruits, we need to contribute in Giving more ideas to this ministry, contribute in starting something for the pastor and then starting something and volunteering yourself, not the church or the pastor offering the opportunity to you, but rather you start something yourself, of course, through the pastor and church's permission, of course, but you got to start something yourself, and we need to do that so that why we can produce more fruit. But if one man, the pastor, Is the one bringing up all the ideas, doing all the work, and trying to do all these things himself, how much fruit is that? But think about two people doing it. Think about three people doing it. And then four, and then five, and then ten, and then get all the people in the church. Then how much more power? How much more power God can produce fruits? But see, the point is you don't desire that. You desire your mundane, boring life of going to work, going to school, eating three meals a day, brushing your teeth, going to bed, and watch something exciting on TV. Because that's the only exciting thing in your life. My fourth point is more perceptiveness. More perceptiveness. More perceptiveness. Look at the last part of verse 10. The last part of verse 10. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. What our churches lack today is more perceptiveness. They do not increase their knowledge. They do not increase their experience. They do not increase their walk in their study of the word of God. We need more perceptiveness. And it's not just all knowledge. It's also spiritual maturity. That's the more important thing. I've seen people with, filled up with so much knowledge and they produce zero fruits for the Lord. Zero souls saved. Because they just know too much and they don't know how to act it out and use it or control it themselves. They lack self-control. We need more perceptiveness. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 through 14 reads, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat, for everyone that uses milk is unskilful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use ha- <coughs> excuse me, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. <coughs> the verse condemns. Criticizes these Christians where, hey, we need to have teachers in the church. We need to have full-aged, mature Christians. You got to realize this. A baby Christian doesn't have much knowledge, doesn't have much experience, doesn't have much spiritual maturity compared to a full-aged Christian. Use your heads. Will a baby or a man take care of the house? Get most of the work done. Be the support holding every member. Be the person we tend to depend upon and has most of the knowledge to lead the group. Is it a baby or a man who can handle that? Let me ask you this question again. Can a baby or a man take care of the house? Get most of the work done? Be the support that holds every member? Be the person that we can all tend to depend upon? has the most knowledge to lead the group? Is it a baby or a man? I hope you thought of yourself in this list. Are you a baby Christian or a full-age Christian? Can you be that person described as the one who can take care of the house, get most of the work done, be the support of every member, be the person that we can depend upon and has the most knowledge who can lead a group? Are you that person that we can call upon? No, you know why? You're a babe. And you haven't grown. Think about it. If these things were given to a baby, you know the house will not survive. And if these things were given to a baby Christian, you know that church will not survive. Mm-hmm. That's good. Why haven't I been called upon to take care of a preaching ministry or lead a group or something like that? Simple, because you're a babe. You're a babe. You're not the person that we can tend to depend upon, get most of the work done there all the time who's the what support holding every member can we say that about you and then if we get a bunch of babies who are not if we get nobody in our church who can be that kind of a role then guess what church is dead and gone oh excuse me 99 percent of churches here We need to grow in our spiritual maturity. We need to grow in knowledge. We need to grow in experience. A visitor who comes in our church should expect to see that nearly anybody in the church here could actually teach that newcomer Bible. Okay. Okay. That's what we need. You know why? Because we got a bunch of newcomers brainwashing this millennial generation why? and at least you can have pull up at least two or three scripture verses on how to uh, de-brainwash what they've been brainwashed in this wicked system. But no, we have to always ask the pastor, huh? We always have to call upon the pastor. If you really have such a strong divine desire for a powerful ministry, you really want it that bad? You really want it that bad? Then you must be extremely perceptive by attending what? Every Bible study. Why do I do that? Because I want to grow in knowledge. Taking many notes. Oh, why do I have to take notes? You know, other people are. Why do I do that? Because you want to grow in knowledge. You want to learn because you're going to forget it the next time. Doing independent study. Oh, as long as I go to church, I'll be fine. No, you need to study yourself. Yourself. I'm not talking about an independent rogue watching whatever YouTube video preacher that he likes when they all don't agree on the same Bible-believing principle. You need to have an independent study where you have Bible-believing preachers. Excuse me. All right? Only Bible-believing preachers. And you grow in the materials that they recommend you to read and to study. And do the independent work yourself. Thank God I have some people like that. Thank God I have some people like that. And they'll mention some stuff that I didn't know about. And then I'll go, oh, yeah. Then I'll check it out. And then I can plagiarize that and use that in my YouTube video. Bless God. (laughs) We need these people. We need people to be prepared to answer questions. How can you live a whole life in fear when people ask you questions about your faith? Your loved ones and family members asking you, why does God allow so much suffering and you don't have an answer to that one? You need to grow in knowledge. Be prepared to answer questions. And you need to become an example too because you can grow in so much knowledge But uh, you don't actually become an example. Instead, you're acting like a superior person. You need to be filled with so much knowledge and wisdom that you know that it is a dumb move when you act like a superior person. Did that make any sense just now? All right, You're not a smart person when you act like a superior person with all your knowledge. No, you're a dumb person. If you're a really smart person, you know this is not common sense to say to this person. Become an example, not a superior. Are you filled with that much knowledge and wisdom that you are an example to follow from other people? Man, I see that person always thanking God. I see that person always praying. I see that person always you know, giving the heart and singing. I see that person in every church service. I know that person is the first one to come to mop the floor and to clean the bathroom and all that. That's the person that people need to look up to. Example, not superior people. Not people who fuss with other people. And whine about, oh, I went through this, I went through that. I mean, what, what, that's a babe. We need a spiritually mature person that if there's some kind of fuss going on in the church, you just drown it out with the love of Jesus Christ and with wisdom. Not joining in the fuss, you know. That's what we need, huh? We need more fussing people. Then go to those huge churches. You'll fuss really well over there. Stop whining about, like, oh, this and that and stuff like that. Look, we get it. We can we get about bearing each other's burdens and having a prayer request, but we don't need to hear that you're the most miserable person on the earth. You've already proved that with your whining. We need to know that you're just going through a hardship like every other person. That's as much as we know. Or you're too immature not to even think of that. You think you're the unique person, huh? You're the you're the person the devil attacks out of everyone in the world. I mean, the devil the devil really wants you. I mean, he doesn't want you know not David Peacock and not David Walker and then not Kyle Stevens and not Alan Ryman and then not uh, all these preachers. It's you. You're the special person that's going through the most hardship. You're a babe. You're not a spiritually mature person. Spiritually. Mature people know that everyone goes through hardships. But see, your knowledge did not grow, that's why. Your experience did not grow enough. You need to handle situations wisely rather than foolishly too. A person can be so much filled with knowledge of the scripture, they don't know how to handle situations wisely. They can just be foolish. They're just filled with so much knowledge, but then they're just totally stupid when it comes to situations that arise. You need to use wisdom. You know how we survived here as a church? Because we played smart. You think we're stupid? I'll tell you what will happen when you play stupid. Onliners, you're not going to see me anymore. And guess what? Uh, We won't have a church anymore in the Bay Area. And maybe some of you would not have known about, about our church if I acted like an idiot with all the knowledge that I knew. Again, remember, what did I say? If you are truly smart... Then use your control, self-control, your knowledge. And know how other people think. Go to their understanding and level and see how you can function with them. That's a smart person. Well, I don't know how to do that. I don't get that. Then see, you're dumb. You're not smart after all, are you? You need to increase your wisdom and knowledge on how to function with people. How to talk to people. That's why you can't get soul saved. Because you don't know how to talk to people. Amen. I mean, I've been street preaching on college campuses. And it doesn't matter if the person is a transgender or a sodomite or a lesbian. Right. Or fills up all the letters of the alphabet. LGBTQ, X, Y, and Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right. and all that. I mean, I can talk to anybody. And give them the gospel. And convict them. Right. Woo! Yeah. You Amen. know how I convict them? Because increasing knowledge. What they're thinking. Their yeah. level. Their situation. Yes. Know what to be sympathetic on find agreements on, but then standing firm on what I disagree and showing them wisely why it's convincing my stance. So increase your knowledge, your perceptiveness. My fifth point is more power, more power. Verse 11, it says strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. And what our church needs is that in order to become powerful is that it needs more power, obviously. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Now, you see all these huge churches. You, you get to see, you know, uh, man, look at Lancaster Baptist Church. It's so huge and such an uh, empire. It's such a great role model to have. Uh, I'm going to read Paul Chappell's books on how to increase the church and the ministry and etc. Look, you know what you're resorting to? You're resorting on the wisdom of man and not in the power of God. And your problem is, is uh, the kingdom of God is not in word but in what? Power. You know one thing I learned? no matter No matter how many gimmicks you pull and how many compromises you make and how many connections you have with other preachers to build up your ministry... Or how many results that you have. Look at how many souls I got saved. Look at how many subscribers I have online and views and etc. It does not matter. It will amount to absolutely nothing when there is no power of God behind it. And your altar calls on my preaching has absolutely zero if God's power is not on it. You know what it was? The wisdom of Gene Kim. Man, you don't think that I fear when I say that? That's why I beg God for forgiveness of sins. That's why I beg God for his power. And I beg God to have mercy on me and grace. And I beg God telling him that I know that I cannot bring a single fruit for him without even, without his hand holding my hand. Amen. You need God's. But some of you, see, you're counting on these resources and results to have a powerful ministry. Mm. Some of you are relying on, well, you know, uh, I'm such a great soul winner and winning so many souls because of certain tactics that I use. So I'm going to keep resorting, resorting to these tactics. Some of you say, well, I was able to increase more members in the church because of a, uh, winning a free flat screen TV. <clears throat> I kid you not. and these are and they include independent, fundamental, Baptist, King, James only churches. And guess what? Then their ministry is built not in power. It's all built upon wisdom of men. And that's why it lacks power in the churches, and you can see that Do you have the power of God, my friend? Then your whole Bible reading's for nothing. Prayer is nothing. The souls you want is nothing. Tracks passed out, nothing. And I don't care how well you preach, all right? You can preach backwards and forwards, and I don't care. And I don't care how many subscribers and views that you build online or you drew a great nice little picture on a whiteboard and did so many great outlines and etc. Nothing when there's no power on God. That includes you too, sir, Gene Kimmy. Yeah, bless God, I figured that out a long time ago. I think you need to catch up if some of you have that problem. So stop pulling that punch on me. If you really have such a strong divine desire for a powerful ministry, you've got to be filled with power. How so? Pray frequently for the filling power of the Spirit. Lord, fill my life. Fill my conversation. Fill my attitude. Fill my thoughts. Fill my testimony. Do you pray frequently for the filling power of the Spirit? Hiles, who has such a huge ministry, he mentioned that he mentioned like a little sticker where it says pray for power. Everyone should mention pray for power. Put that sticky note within their refrigerator door, within their car, within the window, uh, within a bathroom mirror. Just pray for power. Pray for power. You need to pray for power. Do you praise God with power? I mean, when it comes, uh, why, why do we have the hymns? We have the hymns so that the power of God can fall upon the place. And that's why in the revival meetings and the blog, you sense God's power. Why? Because it's not filled with fleshly music with two hours straight sing along, and then people start to think that's the power of God. No, it's old-fashioned, clean hymns, music, and we don't need the power of Satan's beat. We don't need that to have power. But you guys do. You need that beat, because if you don't have that beat, then God forbid you'd have a lame concert that day. You Christian churches. We don't need that. Give me a cappella. Give me yes, the ugliest yes. singers and then we don't need Danielle Chopin or Joyce Choi. We don't need Joyce. We can just sing with the ugliest voices, and you'll see God's power falling upon the place. We need God's power. We want God's power in the life. Because why? It's found through praising God and putting your heart into it. Do you talk about the Lord when all you talk about is Jesus Christ's power is manifested out of your life and the flesh is crucified and killed? And you can sense in the church, man, there's something powerful about the church. What about your testimony? I mean, the boss might make fun of you here and there for your hateful, arrogant Christian beliefs, but he can't deny that you're an honest worker who will never lie and cheat and that you come first thing in the morning and you do the project just right. You don't think that testimony has power? Where's power in your life? And do you depend and yield to the inner power within, not the outer things? That's your problem. Your problem is, uh, I mean, look, I understand. I'm like you. I mean, you always have to plan something, set up something, schedule something, organize something. And if the situation is right, and then my plan were to work out this way, and I use this amount of money that I save for this situation, then it should work. Guess what, man? All God has to do is send a second coronavirus wave or something and then, oh, what happened to all your plans? You You know what God has to do with these Wall Street idiots? You know, I planned it all right. Just send a little GameStop. (laughs) That's God's game to stop them, bless God. (laughs) See, you know, I mean, see, you're depending on outer things. Oh, my wisdom, my intellect, who to bet on and who to make connections with and set up the organizations and plan Absolutely nothing then. God's not going to bless your life. But if you have the power of God, then uh, you'd be surprised at situations that you still make mistakes on and that you feel like a dummy, that God will bless it anyway. Where's your power? My sixth point is more Perseverance more perseverance. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. The last part of verse 11 says unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Yeah. See, you need more perseverance. You know what the problem with churches are? Problem with churches is they need a revival meeting and then give them about 3 weeks and they fall apart. Yeah. God blesses them with an answered prayer and then they thank the Lord. And within a couple days, just the same. I need to hear a good preaching from Pastor Kim. Yeah, guess what? You don't even last a day, 24 hours after that. You know what your problem is? You lack perseverance. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. God's never going to bless you with a powerful ministry if you lack patience. Amen. You might say, why can't God just bless us with the blood every single day? Why can't just everybody just come to church and then serve God? And why can't it be like that every day? Simple, because if you have that every day, it'd make you lazy. Yeah. But if you get a bunch of people fighting each other in church and whining, and then you're the one that's holding it together, and then your money runs out, your family life is a wreck, and then trial after trial suddenly happens in your life and the church is shrinking and then you and the pastor are struggling together and we don't have enough money to pay our debts and pay our bills and you're about to lose the building and then uh, YouTube has kicked us out and then the Bay Area is just making things harder and harder through restrictions. Guess what? I guarantee you this. If you still hold on to God and keep doing that, God's, God's looking down on you and, and he's saying, well, at least he's working very hard. He's not just being dependent on, you know, uh, if the preaching is good, then I'll keep serving God. If there's enough people in soul winning, then I can keep up with my soul And, you know, if the church service is a great day and there's no fight within the church, I'll keep coming to that church. That's the problem. That's why people fall away. But you know what? If you hold on to God, even when there's problems in the church or in the family or in your life and you hold on to God, you know what that is? You do have patience. You do have perseverance. A person who is consistently not discouraged and who's consistently patient, who's consistently long-suffering, consistently joyful, no matter the problems that the person goes through, guess what? That person is the one who becomes more empowered and strong. Amen. But the person who's the weak Christian is the guy, for example, in a Bible-believing church who needs some Bible-believing preacher and a Bible-believing band and a Bible-believing school to keep them right and serving God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, PBI, for example. Yeah, it could be my church, for example. I don't care. and That's your problem. I've had some people saying that, you know, when they go to a different Bible-believing church, it's not the same as Pastor Kim and etc. Your problem. Uh, You got a problem. See, I don't care about me being the greatest or people looking up to me. No, I criticize that. I accept the compliment and I can only give the compliment and praise to the Lord. Right. And I don't take it lightly, okay? I don't take it lightly. Thank you for the letters and the comments. But you got to realize this if that's truly where your heart is and it discourages your own Bible believing pastor and church, then there's something in you that's lacking in you. There's your problem. You go by fleshly preferences rather than how God moves and how God moves, whether trial or something that is not your preference, guess what? You better stick on to God on that one. Amen, amen. The reason, until you can become that kind of a strong Christian who's patient and doesn't get discouraged easily through trials, when you become that kind of Christian, God will bless you with a powerful ministry. amen. I understand that. I truly understand that. You know why I can say that our ministry has the fruits now and the power? Because some people had to go through that. And you guys, some of you don't know, if not all of you, don't know what it was like at the beginning. You don't know what it was like having a church service when no one talked to each other. A church service where it was so small that the people who—the only people who are attending in the church are the people who are fighting each other. So then how do you manage a fellowship after that, huh? You try that. Try an area, a wicked liberal Bay Area, huh? You try doing that where it's so stinking expensive. A dinky little room where people think that this is a weird church, etc. Hey, before I became a big YouTube channel, I had small views. And people said, who's this kid? Looks like a kid. You know what? I, you don't know what we had to go through for God to finally bless with power. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And until you can go through that and grit your teeth, then God says, Oh, he proved his strength. Here it is. Boom! And he'll bless you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Job, I can't bless you with double unless I take away that thing from you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jesus, you cannot be exalted above all things until you go through that cross. Yeah. How about that? Amen. Jesus Christ, the only reason why that God Almighty was, the Bible mentioned that he was able to ex- highly exalt him and give him a name above every name. Why? Because he humbled himself first. Became obedient to the death of the cross. You want God to bless you with power? Then do it. Persevere. If you really have such a strong, do you really, really want a powerful ministry? Do you really want God to bless you with power? You must persevere then by being patient with slow results and slow results with rejection after rejection to your soul winning to your track passing you need to keep street preaching and don't care Amen. you need to be long suffering with others who are backsliding and who may let you down you need to put up with them and suffer them long that's what long suffering is why? because Jesus suffered long for you as well And you need to do that so that God can bless your life with power. Person's in the wrong. The person's backsliding. I don't care. You've done the same thing with Jesus. And if God can put up with you and be blessed, so much power in life, then God can use you as well. If you would put up with the person, you need to be joyful. Put a smile on your face. Give thanks to God despite of the cutbacks, despite of the trials, despite of people Uh, leaving the church. Despite the souls not getting saved in your list, you need to rejoice in the Lord and to thank God, no matter the trial and the suffering, because that's a sign of perseverance and not a person who's dependent upon every happy thing must happen so that I can be happy. That's a fake happiness then. Real happiness is no matter how bad or good life is, I'm still happy. And you need to be willing to die without any numbers for God. Can I repeat that again? You need to be willing to die where, Lord, if I'm going to end up as a missionary here or pastor a church here, if I get nobody in church just like Jeremiah and nobody listening to my preaching and getting saved, like Jeremiah's case almost, then I'm willing to do it for you, God. Imagine a ministry where God tells you, guess what? You're going to preach for me for many years and be persecuted. And by the way, the people are not going to listen to you. All right, ready to sign up for the ministry? Go! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Guess what? Jeremiah did. (laughs) God says, you're going to preach this and they're not going to listen to you. No wonder Jeremiah was so depressed. And he says, oh, God, I'm miserable and I give up. I won't mention your name anymore. But guess what? He had what this sermon talked about. A divine desire. He had a desire. I cannot shut up the word of God. And that's why he persevered. He was willing to go to prison. He was willing to go through criticism, persecution. Why? He had a divine desire. My last point is more praise. More praise. And that's found at verse 12. Verse 12. We need to give more praise to the Lord, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. In light. In God. Do you praise the Lord as much as you should? When you praise God, that's power. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Deuteronomy thirty two, fifteen. But sure and waxed fat and kicked, thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him. And lightly esteem the rock of his salvation. You know, Israel used to be a very powerful nation, but they fell apart. You know why? They forgot the Lord and thanked him. God blessed them too much, and they forgot to praise him. Look, if you really want something so badly, and someone did give it to you, the one that you wanted so badly, you wouldn't stop thanking that person. You'd show them how much grateful you are. So if Christian really wanted certain results in the ministry, why don't they consistently thank God for them, huh? Why don't you really thank God for the limited freedom that you are able to have to give the gospel, huh? Why don't you thank him for that? A bunch of ungrateful Christians never thanked him for that, so that's why God took away the freedom and privilege. Why don't you thank him for the church that you have instead of just whining and complaining about every problem that happens within the church? No wonder God's going to have to take away the church. Which he is currently doing on the process. No wonder there's no thanksgiving to God for you know, the preachers and the teachers that the Lord sent upon your life. And that's the reason why they're going to get discouraged and close down the ministry soon. Or they'll backslide in their teaching and preaching. Why? Because the people are not going to appreciate it anyway. What about the people who've uh, attended the church and helped out the ministry? You think that uh, these people, when you take them lightly because you find problems and they're not as spiritual like you and stuff like that, that, okay, then God can take them away. Good riddance, I got rid of them, and then guess what? Then you realize it's just you and two other people, and then you go, man, it was a lot better. I don't care if these people didn't really attend church. It just looked a little better with 20 compared to two. Maybe God thinks that you're taking them lightly. That's why he didn't bless you with them. You took church lightly, so he didn't bless more in your church. You took prayer lightly, so he didn't bless you with more fruits from answered prayers. You took, uh, you took the hymns lightly, so God is closing that one down for you. Maybe you didn't really thank him that much. You took it very lightly. Or are you truly thankful for your church? Are you truly thankful Or the people God put in your life, your family, your loved ones, your pastor, even the children here. Because God can take them away. Are you really thankful for each and every person? Thank God. Thank God for the person. Thank God for the people. Otherwise he's not going to, if you're not thankful then God can take them away. Well, I don't like this food God, for example. Then God could take the food away. Then we'll see you getting grateful after that, eating the food that you didn't like. Amen. If you really have such a strong divine desire for a powerful ministry, you should thank God for every member in the church, every soul that was one, every time the pastor preaches, every Bible study that is delivered, every answer to the prayer, and every service and work that was open And anything else, he's blessed you with you in your life. Thank Thank God for everything. But you don't have a divine desire. You don't have a desire for more of God's blessing in your life. That's why your thanksgiving diminished a bit more. So then God's thinking, well, you don't care, so I'm not going to bless you then. I mean, you're going to complain after all, right? You're not going to like it after all. Why should I give you? Why should I bless you? If you think about it, that let's say there was a Christian who was praying and serving God in his church. all right, Just one. all right, Just think about just one. A Christian. Just one Christian. Pretend that was you, okay? Who was praying and serving God in his church? And then the inner witness, the Holy Spirit within that Christian says to God, You know, Lord, uh, he really desires for your power in his church. And then let's say the Lord is looking down and says... Nah, I don't think he wants it that much. But God, he really wants it. No, I need to see. I need to see if he really wants it that bad. Let's see a little bit more. Right. So then as time passes by, the Lord, he sees that Christian uh, praying more often. And because of, why? Because the person has a divine desire for God to bless the church. So he prays. And as he keeps praying, so diligently, the inner witness, the Holy Spirit within that person who's praying is crying out to God. God, can't you see I really want it that bad? So can you answer the prayer, Lord? Can you bless our church? And then God looks down and says to that Holy Spirit inside you, that inner witness, no, nah, I got to see if you really want it that bad. I need to see a little bit more. I don't think you want it that much. So then the person prays more and then the person starts to be more, live more purely, cleaning up. His or her sins and starts to produce even more fruit trying to win more souls add an extra chapter to the Bible reading invite one more member to the church and then the inner witness the Holy Spirit within that person is crying out to God God can't you see that he really wants it that bad will you bless us now and God says it's getting better and I can see that his there is some desire growing but I don't know if he really wants it that bad yet. So let me see a little bit longer. So then the person starts to pray for more power and the filling power of the Holy Spirit constantly in every inch and second of his life. The person starts to study more of the Bible, grow in more perception on how to self-control the knowledge to be a blessing to other people. And then the person keeps persevering day one, day two, week one three years keep holding on to that ministry no matter the attack no matter the fire no matter the trial and then the inner witness the holy spirit says god can't you see that the person really wants it that bad and god says i can see that he wants something but i don't know if he really wants my power i don't know if he really wants my blessing let me see a little longer and as year after year Three years pass by and then that Christian's heart starts to clean off the old desires even more and start to appreciate more of the inner spiritual desire, the divine desire, even more, even more strongly. And then five years pass by. His desire is becoming more genuine in the spirit. Not not of his flesh not of his own ways and deeds were of the world but it's truly more divine desire and then as 10 years passed by the guy was willing to give up anything of his desire just for his desire of God's power and his blessing so his prayer life has increased tenfold the person's perception and spiritual maturity has grown tenfold the production of his fruit is beyond the numbers of the List with soul after soul saved number of tracts passed out chapters of the Bible read sin in the life is practically zilch where he's his very own thought life is following the pattern of his Lord and Savior. The power of the Holy Spirit is deeply flowing within his very own veins. And the very breath that he breathes in, you can sense the power of the Holy Spirit. And he proved his perseverance. Because for 10 years and 20 years, and God knows how long, the person never gave up on the person in the church. Put up and had long suffering with the fellow people in the church. Put up with trial one and conquered already hundreds of trials by now and still hold on to jesus christ and just gave him the glory said thank you lord for blessing my life thank you lord for always pulling me through god you deserve all the glory then the inner witness the holy spirit is overflowing practically flowing so much that he the holy spirit the inner witness cries out to god lord lord he really wants it that bad he really wants it that bad Give that church, San Jose Bible Baptist Church, finally, your power after 10 years. And God says, I'll do it. Damn! God says, all right, you really want it that bad? You really want it that bad? I'm not giving up, God. I want it that bad. Let's see. 10, 20, 30 months, years. And then God's like, all right, you really want it that bad? God I am. Here it is. Boom, you get it. Bend the Bay Area on its knees through the power of the word of God. Do you really want it? That bad. Every head bow and every eye shut. Where's your desire? Do you have a desire? You want God to change uh, the church, the parts of this community, our church, your life? Pray for power. Do you really want it that bad? No, you don't really want it that bad. So God is not blessing you with as much fruit, blessing, and power. I want it. I want it so bad. Then show it to the Lord today. Give it to him and say, God, I want it, Lord. God, I want it. But now you have to inspect your life, your prayer life. Are you really praying? If you're not, then it shows your lack of desire for his blessing. Because you're not praying more often. Your purity, is it genuine and real? It shows that you still have some attachment to the world and the flesh. And you don't really want God's blessing on your life. Is the productiveness being shown and displayed? When's the last time that you can look through the monthly bulletin sheet. And be proud of the accomplishment of the souls that you were finally able to lead to Christ. The number of tracts that you passed out the hours that you spend in prayer and chapters of the Bible you read and so many verses memorized. The lack of that shows your lack of desire for God to bless you. Perceptiveness. You're not growing in knowledge of the Bible. You don't really care. You just attend church like it's a tradition. You don't grow in knowledge yourself. You don't study. And that shows your lack of desire for God's blessing then. Because God cannot bless a church filled with baby Christians. Power, there's so much power that lacks in churches. No Holy Spirit power. Because it's been replaced with flesh, gimmicks, worldly music, man's system and management methods to increase the ministry. As long as I have an online presence, then I should be fine to build the fruit for the Lord. And God blesses zero power in your YouTube channel, in your Facebook account, in your Twitter account, or any other online presence that you've got. And most of all, your life in your church. Because you're a people pleaser, right? Maybe that's how you grew with the ministries. No power. You lack perseverance. You know there are some brethren in the church you need to get along more. That you need to have long-suffering. You know that the trial you're going through, you've got to bear it like a soldier. And you need to prove your loyalty to Jesus Christ. And that you can truly conquer it through the power of his name and his blood. If you don't have that, that shows as little desire you have for his blessing. If you really want his blessing that badly, you'll be be willing to sacrifice and go through all sorts of things for that desire to be accomplished. You lack praise. You don't thank him. You don't truly thank him. You're not truly appreciative and grateful for this church. For the life that you have. The family that you have. The things that the Lord puts you through. No, there's no gratitude. And so the Lord doesn't even bother to bless you. Because why? He's going to have the same attitude again. So why bother? Divine, divine desire. Oh, what a desire. Do you really want it that bad? The freshness of His holy Spirit moving, the true joy that you long sought for, <clears throat> that you deceived yourself into thinking the world is what can keep you with this temporary joy. Don't you want a true joy that's beyond all comprehension? Don't you want that inner peace that truly fulfilled the concerns and the fears? And God's power literally in every step you take so that you can be confident that wherever you go, God is walking with you and you will succeed. Where is your desire? God, my Father, I pray that we'll replace our wicked, old, fleshly desires with the real desires, the true desires. But we don't want it that bad, and that's why your presence, God forbid, will pass away from San Jose Bible Baptist Church, from even our online ministry one day, because it's not just us, it's even the online, Lord. All of us do not have the desire, Father. Oh, God, help us to open our eyes and to repent. Give us a divine desire, and may the things of this world, the desires of this world, may we see that we've been so blind and deceived by them that they have been cleared away from this altar call. And you replace our own. I pray, Heavenly Father, that prayer life will be real. Knowledge will be real. Patience will be real. Productiveness and work for you will be real. That thanksgiving will be real. That praise to you will be real. Everything will be real to you. And by doing these things for real, it shows how much, God, we want you. God, God, I don't know if I'm saying this because I'm weak, but God, I want you in our church. I want you to use our church. I want this church to be magnified, glorified, where it would just go so high that it will elevate Jesus Christ above all the other gods of the Silicon Valley and San Francisco Bay Area. God, I want such a victory. I want power. But God, if I really want that bad in the people here, we need to prove it, Father. I pray that you'll see our heart of hearts, that there's something in us that we want, and that you'll help us carry it through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.